Greetings, programs, and welcome back to the Awesome Friday Podcast in our final episode of 2022, where we're going to review two new-ish movies uh, for you. My name is Matthew, and joining me, as has become customary in this month of December, <laughs> is Rachel. Good morning, Rachel. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I enjoy that I always want to have this banter section, even though we've already been talking offline for like half an hour. And we also had a great banter section yesterday when we had a false start with recording. That's true. (laughs) That's true. And I was going on about my love for a new artist, Elvis Presley, who if you're not familiar. Yeah, it turns out, turns out he's great, right? Turns out Elvis Presley, really talented. Like it's crazy. It's nuts. Yep. Well, I'm glad you've discovered this new artist and brought him to our attention. <laughs> no problem. I feel like the 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 world, well, you know, the United States in particular, going through such social change, I feel like Elvis Presley might be the answer for them. You know, <laughs> no, I think it'll help. I think it'll really help. I mean, I think I told you yesterday that that movie, the movie which I did not really connect with, I guess I sort of mm-hmm. appreciate, but did not really connect with, does have one of my favorite scenes in the whole year. Yeah. It's the scene when. <laughs> When Tom Hanks' character like realize hears Elvis on the radio and then realizes that he's white, and it does like a really dramatic like pull in on his face, <laughs> it treats it like this big like monumental thing, and I'm like, yeah. this is either the best or the most uncomfortable thing I've seen all year. <laughs> I thought it was the funniest thing in the world because like they like zoom in on um, what's his name, Cody Cody Smith Smith McPhee, yeah, yeah, and they, yeah. they zoom on. And he goes, "That's the thing." he's wide and they like yeah. zoom on it. it's the funniest thing in the world to me i feel like yeah. it was played for a laugh though i don't know i don't know if it was meant to be serious because i do think like i feel like not that i know baz Luhrmann, but i feel like he's playing it to be like this is how absurd it is like it's ridiculous. oh yeah 100 percent. Um, like i think it's meant to make you laugh and then to make yeah. you feel like a little bit like should i be laughing at this because that's <laughs> that's ooh. Like, there's a moment like that in Babylon. I, you haven't seen Babylon yet, right? I have not yet seen Babylon, no. There's a moment in Babylon where it's like, it's super, super funny. And then all of a sudden, it's just not funny anymore. And you can like, w- in the audience, when I was watching it, um, it, there was, it's like, everyone's like, ha ha ha, this is so funny. And then all of a sudden, everyone's like, oh, oh, okay. And then you just <laughs> kind of hear the laughter cut. It's very funny. Um, what I was going to say, though, I've been thinking a lot about one thing we said yesterday when we were chatting about Elvis, which is um, we were both talking about how whether or not Austin Butler was going to get uh, he'll definitely be nominated. But we were wondering, like, kind of considering whether or not he's going to actually win um, mm-hmm. any big, big awards. And you're fairly convincing as I'm getting there. Like, I thought Brendan Fraser had it for a long time, but now I actually think I think it's more Austin Butler's game. But the thing that I've been thinking about is when we were talking, comparing it to Rami Malek. And we were mm-hmm. saying, like, Austin Butler looks nothing like Elvis. Like, just nothing like him. I really don't think they look like. But he somehow gets Elvis. And I think you were the one who said it. You're like, he doesn't look like it, but he feels like Elvis. Whereas Rami Malek does look like Freddie Mercury. Yeah, but it doesn't feel no, right. No feel. No feel whatsoever for that. And I've been th- I've literally been thinking about that since we chatted. Because I was like, that's a really, really great point. And I think what makes Austin Butler's performance so good. Because I've been I've been like, re- not rewatching the movie, but I've been rewatching clips from it. Because there are some really, really cool moments from that movie. I, I'm not that sold on the movie either, to be fair. Like, I, I like it, but 
yeah, it's like, I don't know how it's getting nominated for so many, like picture, like it's getting nominated for best picture and best director for. Uh, it's because it's the most people. movie. It's the most movie. It is a lot of movie. Like yeah. I keep hearing people talking about. Um, I mean, the current movie they'd be talking about would be Babylon is like maximalist mm-hmm. filmmaking, yeah, and I haven't seen it, so I can't speak to that. But like, Baz Luhrmann in general is like the maximalist film maker yeah like it's so like overstuffed and kinetic and like non a non-stop assault on the senses uh, yeah. for better or for worse um my, my problem with that movie was that i felt like it didn't really have a narrative i could like latch onto in any kind of emotional way like it sort of like yeah, speeds through things way too quickly at least for the first half half yeah um but austin butler is great throughout Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, and the other part of this that we were talking about is my greater thesis that he's playing a beloved pop yeah. icon who is deceased and therefore yeah. he will probably win because that seems to be the way you play someone who's like a famous, famous rock star who's, who's dead, then you win the award. That seems to be the, the rule. Who else has that happened for? So Rami Malek. Rami Malek. That was the most recent one. Yeah. We were talking about Walk the Line. So I know, would Reese Witherspoon's character be considered um, a pop star in her own right? Is that a thing? Yeah, she was a huge star. That's fair. Yeah? Okay. I can't remember I if she was alive or deceased at that time, though. Oh. Um, and but, then... like, I think the bigger, the more recent trend would be, like, Taryn um, Egerton. Eg- Egerton who did famously did not win or even get nominated for an Oscar get nominated, for, for um, Rocket Man, even though that was a much better movie than Bohemian um, I mean Rhapsody. Do you think the problem was, though, is that it came out a year after? Like, not even, it, I don't even know if it was like a full calendar year. Like, it kind of just felt like it came out months later, but it ended up qualifying for the awards the next year. And I wonder if people were just kind of like, oh, yeah, okay, so now Elton's got one. Like, and... <sighs> Yeah, that's like a, a bit of fatigue. I don't know. That's a tough question too, because Rocket Man was directed by the guy by uh, Dexter Fletcher, who took over mm-hmm. directing from Brian Singer on Bohemian Rhapsody. So it was a lot of the same, like in a lot of ways, it had a lot of the same feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially if you were like plugged into the discourse, like we are. Yeah, you know, and also, I don't I think, think I don't think anyone outside who like isn't involved in film yeah. Twitter doesn't really notice that kind of thing, but. But I'd also say, like, Freddie Mercury and Elton John, too, kind of belong not in the same time. I think Elton's a little bit before. But they're both, like, flamboyant rock stars um, who kind of did the thing. Whereas, like, Elvis was flamboyant, but not in the same way he was that those guys were flamboyant. Like, he was flamboyant in a very particular Elvis way, uh, as yeah. I have learned in the last week. Um, yeah. but in your discovery yeah, of saw, this fantastic new yeah, artist just, Elvis Presley listen do you know that he's originally from Mississippi did you know that I, I did know that <laughs> I've been pulling not real actual fun facts about Elvis um, to Matthew who actually you do have been an Elvis fan for much yeah my mother was an Elvis fan so I yeah, yeah. I was more did you know here's a fun Elvis Beatles fan okay Here's a fun Elvis fact for you. Did you know that um, Riley Keo Keo? I can't remember. Yeah, that's his yeah. granddaughter. Granddaughter. Elvis's granddaughter. I did actually know that from 
Zola, like when she was in Zola. I remember looking her up and they were like, oh, she's she's Elvis's granddaughter. And I was like, oh, and I like looked at her and she does not really look like um, a Presley, in my opinion. Lisa Marie, I think, really looks like Elvis. Um, mm-hmm. But then her brother, who, who very sadly passed away, um, he really looked like Elvis, actually. Like he had he had that thing. I guess Riley maybe takes after her dad more. I don't really know who her dad is. But um, I, she knows who her dad is, I'm sure. I, I just don't know who he is. That's not impl- <laughs> I'm not implying anything about Riley Keough's life. Um, but yeah, that's interesting that his uh, that Elvis, no no musicians though, nobody else. Uh, well, Lisa Marie tried, but but the Riley and Camille. Lisa Marie had that one that one good song back in the nineties. At least it was catchy. Oh, it's so sad. The re- the biggest thing I remember or I, like I associate with Lisa Marie Presley is that really awkward kiss with Michael Jackson. I think it was probably at the MTV Awards or something like that. Oh, uh, yeah. That's my like lasting memory of Lisa Marie Presley is that moment. And I'm like, that's a shame because I'm sure she's done much more interesting things than awkwardly kiss Michael Jackson on national television. But yeah. I mean, but who knew? I think, I think most Presley, people, dude. most people have. Yeah. 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 Anyway, turns out Elvis is great, and uh, <laughs> that's the end of the five. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's I will. So the thing with Elvis, that movie is like as much as I was very middling on it, and I agree with you. Like I think I I don't really like Baz Luhrmann's style in general. Like I'm not big on his stuff at all, but. I think if anything, what it did do, and I think it's not just, it's definitely not just me. Um, Cause I've seen comments on like YouTube videos too, is that it did make people like look up Elvis stuff and like made a bit of an, uh, a different generation, plural generations, like interested in him. And, you know, for a lot of us, maybe we just didn't think of him. I don't know. I thought of him more as like a cartoon character than anything else, but um, mm. this movie kind of made it, made me more interested enough that I looked him up and, and yeah, realized who knew Elvis Presley, great singer. Just, <laughs> I, yeah. It's weird, but like, uh, but that's what the, the thing I think is cool about the movie is like, regardless of what you think about it and like, whether I mean, yeah, it's the, a good movie, it did reignite a big interest into his, into his life and his music. Um, yeah. And the and music and is, think, is pretty universally great. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But I, I can't really remember now. Did the did the same thing happen for Elton and for Queen as well? Like, was there like a massive re? I don't think that they were as far out of the conversation at that point. That's true. Like, that's very true. Like Elton's Goodbye concert uh, came out like in the last couple of months. So, like <laughs> he's still around. <laughs> very true. Yeah. And and Queen and Queen, and Queen won't let it die. Like, like they yeah, won't let it die. Going. Yeah, that is true. Like, if you look up stuff from, from Elvis, like, you can find black and white video of him, like, on Ed Sullivan, which feels like a lifetime ago, which it was a lifetime ago, but... No, it's like two um, lifetimes ago at this point. Yeah, many, many a lifetime now. So, I actually saw a really cute video this morning, and it was, I think it... I don't know what the channel's called, but it was, like, elder people. Elderly people, I think they called it. Elders react. <laughs> they gave them some old clips. They gave them an old... Um, Ed Sullivan clip and then they gave them uh, clips from the 68 comeback special of Elvis and it was like them watching it and seeing the women in particular 
they were so adorable like they were like they just be, like they, these are all had to be what 70 60 70 year old women maybe even 80 mm-hmm. um and and the men too and they're all just like it's like they're teenagers again and it was very very sweet and <laughs> one one woman was like oh my parents blame everything i did wrong in my life my parents blamed him for everything <laughs> i did wrong i was like that was really funny yeah i love like that it was a very very sweet video i'll extend I mean, it later that is one thing that that movie really gets right in a really interesting way though is right at the beginning when colonel parker like sees elvis for the first time and he's like mm-hmm. He is sex. He is like the embodiment yeah. of sex. It's like, yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> I was watching um, his press conference when he came back from Germany, and like he's just like a man rocket. Like he's so good looking. It's un- like it's all- it's like uncomfortable how good looking he is. I'm sorry. Did you say he's a man rocket? He's a man rocket. Yes. A man I don't rocket. think I have ever heard. heard I've never heard that term before. What is this Where weird is East Coast term? Um, <laughs> I think I took it from I'm gonna say Always Sunny most of my stuff comes from anything that I say that is remotely see that's funny. weird because I've watched all of It's Always Sunny like multiple times I'm and I feel like we from... and we have not talked about this so this is good. we're gonna yeah. table this for another time otherwise we will be here all day I love that show big that's fan it's, big fan it's cause big it's fan. great in I the, haven't watched the latest season yet, but I, I will catch up on it. But yeah. Oh yeah, they do I, some interesting I, stuff. I think they say "man rocket" in that show. I, I mean, honestly, they might. It's been it's been about it's been about eight months since I watched it all, but that is also. I feel like it must not be like a recurring gag because I feel like I'd remember it if it was. No, I will find out where it's from, but I di- I didn't come up with it. But it is a great term, and I love using it to describe like. <laughs> Like men, like real, like just men who are, who are, there's nothing else to describe them other than man rockets. I just can't also, I can't think of anyone who anyone might describe as a man rocket in that show. Elvis. Elvis is a man rocket. Oh, in that show? Yeah. I I I swear it's something Mac says. Like, I'm fairly confident. Like, Mac is calling maybe, like, I don't know. It's like Chase Utley. No, Chase Utley, he wanted him to be a friend. Oh yeah, but it, it it's a thing. I really love <laughs> um, it. I was gonna say was like I was watching that that the Elvis press comments and somebody in the comments in the YouTube comments was like, does the the typical dude thing and was like, was like I'm not gay, but Jesus Christ, it's uncomfortable because he's a man rocket. I will find that for you where I got that from. Fair enough. This is my it honestly it might just be my cue to rewatch all of It's Always Sunny again. I recently watched because uh, I was I was trying to introduce a friend to it, and I they said what episode should I watch, and I said um, I think I I sent them a clip from I think it was the 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 the, the gang goes on welfare I think is that the was that what it's called I think that that one the one where where D and um, Dennis on. decide to go on welfare and then they get addicted to crack and yeah. then yeah it's like. That episode to me, and so I started watching that one just because I recommended it to someone. And I thought, this is, I forget how funny the show was, especially the early yeah. few seasons. It was like very, the, very funny. The two episodes I, I often recommend to people who want to know what the show is like are The Gang Buys a Boat and The Gang Misses the Boat. I feel are two really, <laughs> really great episodes yeah. that really highlight like the entire dynamic of the show. 
That's a great episodes. Those are great ones. The yeah. the gang buys the boat. I think that was the one that has possibly one of the greatest exchanges in the show, which is when Dennis is talking about the implication. Oh yeah, the first time you hear about the you're, implication. You're all out there. It's like you're all alone on the boat, and it's like, and, and she knows the implication. And then Bax yeah, because like, it, she's not going to say no because of the implication. Are these women in danger? It's like, he's no. like, dude, I wish you would just stop saying that. Like they're not in danger. <laughs> and then the way like Glenn Howerton like clenches his jaw, and you can just kind of see the twitch on the edge of his jaw is so funny. And then there's like an older woman there who overhears them and looks at them. It's like, what the hell? And Dennis is like. What are you looking at me for? You certainly wouldn't be in any danger. And Max like, so they are in danger. <laughs> so they are in danger. Yeah. It's such a good show. We should do. We should. We should, we should do a podcast on that show. There you go. Yeah, we should, because I mean, again, if we don't stop talking, we're going to be here all day, and we're already <laughs> almost twenty minutes into this show. Um, so we should probably awkwardly segue towards talking about a movie, um, which in some ways is like it's always sunny, except that it's not. Um, no. Actually, that's not true. You haven't seen the most recent season. No, you haven't seen the most recent season. They go to Ireland in the most recent season. So there you I go. Yeah. I, but I actually would argue, I could see Banshees being a... I could see it being a, like an Always Sunny episode. Like some form of it. You could kind of see, because it's ridiculous. And a little It's a bit dark, though, for... I mean, it's, yeah. It's always been fairly dark, but like... It's, it's a different kind of dark. Yeah, it's a different kind of deck, but I could see that. I could see that. Yeah. Well, let's let's dive into then um, the Banshees of Inishirin, which is very much like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Um, and uh, <laughs> and uh, Rachel, why don't you why don't you give us the quick rundown on the plot of the Banshees sure. of Inishirin? Um, I'm glad you asked me to do this one because I think it has like the funniest premise in my opinion. Because you can boil it down to two best friends who live on an island in Ireland, a fictional one. Um, one doesn't want to be his friend anymore, and the other takes it kind of rough. And that's literally that's, the entire... That's the movie. It's that like is the, the whole it's movie. Like the, which I find to be like the brilliance of the movie, though, is that it is a genuinely such a simple like premise in that... So you have... I'll, I'll give a bit more. So Brendan Gleeson plays Colm who's uh he's the one who doesn't want to be the friend and then colin farrell is how do you say his name uh pa- pa- patrick patrick um yeah. yeah he plays the one who's like well why and then the movie is literally like him just not understanding why colm his like lifelong best friend doesn't want to be his friend anymore and colm just goes into i just find you boring like he actually says some really it's really mean cuts deep like just like i just don't have like i feel like i don't have very much time left on this earth and i don't want to waste it with you is effectively what he's saying to to colin farrell's character and um yeah and then and Pedrick lives with siobhan who's played by an immensely amazing carrie condon who i love i think she's so 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 good in that uh and it's just yeah it's, it's that literally is the movie it's just about that and it sounds maybe slightly boring if you haven't seen it but it's not it's by uh the director's martin mcdonough who also did a bunch but um uh in bruges is probably the one he's most famous for which also has colin farrell and brendan gleason which also that movie if you think about it you like that the premise of that is guy messes up at his job and they now they're in bruges and now and now they're in bruges and they need to wait it out that's like that's that that's literally the the premise of that movie 
Um, yeah, for, yeah, for better or for worse. Is, yeah. I mean, Martin McDonough has done... I mean, he also did Three Billboards, which won a bunch of awards, uh, even though I, I didn't... like that movie. Didn't really like it. He also did yeah, Seven right. Psychopaths, which is... Love that movie. Which is pretty great. Um, I think In Bruges is still my favorite of his movies, but that's easy because it's so so fucking good. It's very, very good. So fucking yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, it's true. You change um, it to I So it's interesting, actually, not to like get us a higher rating than we normally would have, but like I think it's the, the use of the word feckin' throughout this movie I find super interesting. Uh, not because it's obviously like a regional dialect thing, but because as the film progresses and as they get angrier and more desperate in their positions, it very slowly, I don't know if you noticed, but they start saying, they switch to the full-blown fucking, like, through really? the movie. I didn't notice that. As it starts out at the beginning when they're still kind of friendly, everyone's saying fucking, and by the end of the movie, they're all saying fucking. It's really interesting, really subtle. I really liked it. Oh, that is interesting. I need, I'll, I'll, should rewatch it at some point soon. Um... Yeah, I feel like this movie, a lot of people were, I noticed the reaction. Some people were a bit, um, I guess, disappointed is the best word to say. And I think because they were expecting something like an In Bruges again. And this movie is not miles apart from In Bruges, but it is different. Like, it's not the same movie. And to me, this one is far darker than anything In Bruges did, even though In Bruges involved, like, killing children and things like that. Like, that was obviously very very dark but this one to me because it's not as always it's not as overtly funny no it's it's... not it's not as overtly funny but it's it's just like we've all been there either on either side of the equation where you're just like i just don't want to be friends with this person anymore or somebody says unfortunately if they say it to you like they just don't want to be your friend anymore and like that shit cuts deep like that's really hurtful when someone just says i just don't want to spend any more time with you and um and it's not like a like your romantic partner because that's a different thing this is just your buddy like the person that you thought is going to hang out with you tell you know if you're both single whatever it doesn't matter you guys are just going to be bffs you know like forever and always and this guy just one day is like nah i find you boring i think you're kind of dumb i think you're kind of slow like i don't want to waste any more of my life with you and that like and it's he says other things too but it's just like it's such a very it's a very, very melancholic way of looking at, I think specifically male friendships as well. Like mm-hmm. I think it's a little bit unique to men in this way, but just to be so blunt and so just like also quite open with it too. There's no, there's no ghosting in this one really. Like, it's not like he just kind of fuzzy. He just, just says to him, like, just don't want to be your friend kind of thing. And I was like, this movie to me cuts a lot deeper um, in that sense than, anything but yeah it's not as funny i suppose um and in that way maybe it's not as entertaining to some people but um i personally think it's like maybe not as brilliant as as in bruges but just the idea of what they're trying to talk about the themes that they're trying to talk about in it i find those to be very very interesting and um to me that that surpasses in bruges in a way yeah that's totally fair I think this is honestly one of the best movies I've seen all year. Um, and for a bunch of reasons, but almost entirely, not almost entirely, but like a large part of that is that Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell and Carrie mm-hmm. Condon in particular are all so good. 
And Barry Keegan as well. He's amazing. Barry Keegan as well, yeah. yeah. Um, I would say that I, I think Barry Keegan might be the is being a little bit like uns, unsung even because everyone else is so good and Barry Keegan has played played character not exactly like this but has played like that he sort of has like a type right I think so it's because his face is kind of creepy no offense to Barry Keegan but his face is like it's very interesting like I think he's he's it's a good thing he's an actor because I feel like his face works really well for acting because it's it can be a lot it's of very interesting face things. it's a very interesting face and he can just be a lot of different things um, in different movies but you're right he does kind of get put into the same kind of reminds me a little bit of but like a daft version of what who his little character in um green knight kind of like that like just this kind of yeah, weird kinda. creepy thing but in in this movie he's a bit of a bit of a dullard like he's kind of stupid but yeah, also he's obviously, sad too. he he has like a super sad backstory in this he's story. got a super sad backstory and he's horrendously <laughs> abused and like yeah. he's obviously you know, I think the way you'd say it back in the day would be he's a bit slow, and mm-hmm. um, and I think I, th- I think what makes the movie interesting, like the plot interesting, is you're right. It is the the simplest premise in the world. Brandon Gleason just doesn't want to be friends with Colin Farrell anymore. <laughs> um, but what makes it really interesting is that Colin Farrell is, even though people tell him he's not, he's kind of a dummy. He's a bit of a dummy, and he's a and he's a, a huge slow as well. Yeah, he's a and he's a big he's a puppy dog, and all he wants is his friend to like him. Yeah, and the that that interaction, I mean, it goes to some super dark places. Um, yeah. but just the interplay between them is so good, and they're obviously like they've worked together before, and they they have an obvious chemistry. But but Colin Farrell in particular, like. Like, I don't want to <clears throat> sound like a dick here, but I think Austin Butler has the best chance to win Best Actor, but I think we should probably give it to Colin Farrell, like, if we're being... If only in recognition of this performance, but also just the year that guy's had has been... He's had a tremendous year, yeah. It's a tremendous a year tremendous for releases. Tremendous year, yeah, he's done... And, like, such... I, I love his career in general. Like, I just think he's had such a fascinating career of... Because he is pretty. He's like, he starts off as like a pretty boy and he does the pretty boy movies that were germane in the time of like the early 2000s and things like that. But mm. there was always like a super, super talented actor who was, no offense to those roles, but it's like who was probably beyond um, what the leading man kind of typically. I, I would say Chris Pine falls into that category as well. Like they're just a bit, they're too talented in a way for co- constantly being thrown into the leading man role. Brad Pitt is another one who like broke out of that too um Mm -hmm. but i love seeing colin farrell's career because i think now not just now i'd say maybe what in the past five maybe even 10 years he's really kind of turned it around of being like showing just how great of an actor he is and moving beyond a lot of the tabloid gossip stuff that used to to be associated with him more so than any job that he ever did was always about other his extracurricular activities in life. Um, yeah, I think a, a way I've tried to I explained it to someone I was talking to the other day is that he, you know, he broke out with this amazing performance. Um, uh, what was that movie called? I'm trying to think what Tigerland. Tigerland. Tigerland is his big one. Okay. It was his first like big one. Um, the one that people were like, oh, this guy can act. 
and then Hollywood was like, great, let's put him in all the things. And, but the whole time, what he really should have been maybe is a character actor. Something, something, the place where Brandon Gleason has existed his entire career. Yeah. Um, I guess it's, I mean, not to say it's one of those like, um, yeah, oh, poor him for being good looking, but like it is kind of the, the, a bit of a curse in Hollywood when you are handsome is that this is going to be the thing that happens. And I can't blame them either for just diving into it. Like considering that if you've probably been a struggling actor for a while and now all of a sudden they're offering you maybe roles that aren't particularly challenging, but they pay a lot and you know that it's going to make you famous. Well, the kind of of thing like, yeah, the kind of thing too, that's going to get you endless residuals from playing on like late night network TV. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I don't begrudge him any of that stuff. But he's definitely been more interesting in the last five years than he has in the first five years. <laughs> and even, yeah. um, it's funny, I remember distinctly watching him in um, uh, uh, the Fantastic Beasts, the first Fantastic Beasts movie. Mm-hmm. And when there's a big reveal in that movie, and this movie's old, so it's not a spoiler anymore, but there's a big reveal that he's actually the bad guy and he's actually Johnny Depp. And I remember thinking at the end of that movie being like, can we go back and watch the whole movie again with Johnny Depp and have him revealed to be Colin Farrell? Because that would be amazing. It would be a much better, it would bode much better for this franchise. <laughs> what happened to that franchise? Is it still going? Do they still have movies like that they need to do? Or are they there was one there was one last year, wasn't there? The I Secrets of I'm Dumbledore or something. One of like ten people in the world who didn't get into Harry Potter, so Oh yeah. I've I Well dude, they're not they're not very good, so don't feel bad. I've heard that, yeah, I've heard that they're not great, but I haven't actually um, seen. I've only seen the first two. I haven't seen the third one. Wasn't Eddie Redmayne in? Yeah. 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 Whatever. Um, anyway, <laughs> we're off topic. Yeah. Um, one thing I'll say, like, there's a cool um, Irish movie called Intermission that uh, Colin Farrell's in, and uh, Killian Murphy is also in that one. I believe that's the only movie I think the two of them ever did together. I always wish that they had done more because um, I think that. Like more Irish movies specifically, because I, I just feel like they're two of probably the more exciting Irish actors that came out during their time. Jonathan Rhys Myers is the other one. Um, but I was watching Colin Farrell's um, actor on actor interview of, on Variety with Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize it, but Carrie Condon is in Intermission as well. Like he punches mm-hmm. Carrie Condon in the face in Intermission. And I was like, oh, that's, like I didn't realize she was in that. I actually didn't even realize she was Irish because I associate her more with uh, Better Call Saul. Um, so interestingly, Saul. I am the one person who hasn't watched Better Call Saul. Oh um, Did you watch so, that? Yes. Um, but I associate Carrie Condon with uh, two things one more recently she is the voice of friday in the in the marvel movies like tony stark's oh. replacement ai that's gary condon i didn't know that after jarvis becomes vision but also i was a huge fan of hbo's rome in the early zeros and she's in that as octavia oh, cool. and she's so good in that even then um but she honestly for me like we haven't really talked about the plot of this movie because there's not that much there <laughs> i mean there is and there isn't I mean, there's lots to talk about, really. It's the it's set in the 20s. It's very deliberately set against a backdrop of the Irish Civil War. It is very much like a microcosm of the Irish Civil War. There's tons to talk about there. 
Um, and it's super interesting. But all I really want to talk about is how fucking good Carrie Condon is in this movie. And I hope that yeah. if this movie wins any single award, it would be Best Supporting Actress for her. Because she is so good. Hey, it's such a shame because this year, both lead and supporting actress categories are very stacked in the awards kind of race and like what people consider to be because like if you just look at women talking and she said because those were ensemble lee and didn't really have a one specific lead actress but a lot of people love those performances all of those ladies are getting thrown into to the supporting category and so it's a it's a shame because i do think yeah carrie condon she's amazing and there's a lot of supporting actresses i think who in a year where women talking doesn't come out or it's not so much of an ensemble and it's more like a, 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 there's like a proper couple leads in it. Um, then those guys would be, and I include like Hong Chow in that conversation too. Like, I feel like those guys would be way more, um, what's the word am I looking for? Way more uh, touted to be, you know, for best supporting actress. But I think Carrie Condon, Barry, Carrie Condon and Barry Keegan, both of them, even though maybe on like the bigger awards shows they're not getting as actually no they've been nominated though barry keegan's been they're nominated. both nominated for golden globes which for better or for worse are still a thing that are happening yeah um and yeah i mean carrie condon's up against angela bassett and jamie lee curtis and dolly did from triangle of sadness and carrie mulligan from mm-hmm. she said and like yeah. that's a tough category it's, tough. it's that's very a tough category. like well, the actress categories right now, like, so we, um, I vote in the uh, Toronto Film Critics Association Awards, and we had a Zoom meeting the other day of just what are some movies that people need to catch up on, like, and, and for different categories and things like that. And constantly there was always like, this movie has great performances by actresses. And then at one point someone was like, guys, I don't have enough movies for like acting, like for actors, like I need some men to watch because like <laughs> we're pretty set on, on the women's side of things, like on, on the actress side of things, but like for best actor, best male performance, um, I don't have enough. And I was like, it's so interesting that that's kind of become a, like that, that's the way it shook out this year. Cause typically speaking, you would say it's the other way around. Like there's more great male performances that are too many to count for, but this year, yeah. I think the ladies have been killing it, which is great. Yeah, I I would agree. Um, I don't think the film qualified for the Independent Spirit Awards. Um, not not independent enough. Or maybe the they, budget. Maybe the budget was how, too yeah, high. Yeah. How how do they determine what is an indie film? Do you know? Uh, the Independent Spirit Awards. The main criteria is that the budget has to be under thirty five million. Like they uh, okay. and then. Uh, I'm pretty sure they can come from a major studio still, though. Okay, because I was going to say, I know this is a Searchlight movie. Um, I don't know what their budget is, though. Yeah. Uh, either way, they're not, no, I don't think anybody's nominated from it. I think it just must have been out of contention. Probably. Um, one thing you said, though, about the, the Irish Civil War that I thought was interesting. I love that they made this on an, a fictional island. They filmed it on the Aran Islands, I believe, but... Um, I like that they chose that Martin McDonough chose like a, he just created like a fictional island in a Sharon and by putting it on an island outside of the Republic, the, the mainland, constantly throughout the movie, like you can hear bombs and, you know, just things going off. Gunfire. And they talk about it too. Yeah. And they like, they're like, oh yeah, like look, what's, what's happening over there. And I, I like, I love the way that they incorporated the, the civil war that was happening at the time without it being a war movie itself. Like, and if you'd put it on 
the mainland if you had actually had it take place in the republic or it was part of the republic but like um actually on the the the, the main land um i think it would have been a very different movie then because why are these two men in the middle of a civil war being like oh you won't be my friend you know like <laughs> and like that that's an interesting bit too like an interesting layer of hey like this big thing is happening in our country and it's massive and it, and they don't know it but like um you know oh what did this happen no no this like so the world war one's already kind of passed and things like that but like something else yeah that's too so the irish civil war happened so i'm not in between, i'm not a right? huge okay. scholar of the irish civil war here but the irish civil war happened in between world world wars between, one yeah. and two but more importantly it also happened pretty much right after irish independence so i think what makes it what makes it interesting in relation to the two main characters in this movie is that in in the real world in the real war there's very real situations where men who may have been fighting side by side one day are now suddenly on opposite sides of this civil conflict and it's sort of that that's it's interesting because like the the relationship between Colm and uh Pedrick is sort of that right it's their best friends one day and then one of them decides not to be the next day it's that whole thing just in a microcosm and removed from the physical conflict Mm-hmm. mostly um but um but just all the philosophical differences that are there um yeah it's That's the same it's along the, all along the same lines um and it is i think it, it honestly like again not just to circle back to carrie condon but my favorite scene in the whole movie is when she confronts Colm, Brendan Gleeson, yeah. who's spent at this point half the movie being like, I don't want to spend time with him anymore. I don't want to spend time with you anymore. And she's like, why? Why would you do this? And Brendan Gleeson says, well, he's boring. And Carrie Condon's <laughs> like, you're all boring. Like, all of you are boring. <laughs> like, all you stupid men on this stupid island are boring. Like, get over okay. yourself. Like, And she's she's oh, yeah. so good and so, like, righteous in that moment. And it just, uh, it's just like, wow. <laughs> just so good. Yeah. And I hope I hope that that is her Oscar clip when she is nominated because that is my again I think my favorite scene of the whole movie. It has to be that that has to be her Oscar clip. Yeah, I love that scene too. She's she's really great, and like I just love that she like comes to the defense of her brother as well. Like there's something about that that I found very sweet because you know it, what we understand of her is that she's a very capable woman and she's quite intelligent and. And she's probably the most capable person in the movie. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And there's like the one old lady who represents death and then her and then a bunch of dumb men, basically. A bunch of idiots, a bunch of big babies. But yeah, I I love that she's, she just kind of goes over and she's like, what's your problem, man? Like, come on, like, just stop this, like, get over yourself kind of thing. And I I love that. Um, I also love the donkey in it, little Emma. Um, oh yeah so so sweet it's such a sweet like and i love that it's like his little friend and because he she's like no animals like um carrie con goes like no animals in the house he goes she's not just an animal siobhan like (laughs) my friend like you know it's gonna be in there and in in a lesser movie it would have been a dog (laughs) yeah i love that it was a donkey of all things like it's just so yeah and then that donkey ends up having a bit of a payoff later on we won't spoil it but yeah it's it's a good i i love the just those little inclusions of um barry keegan's character carrie condon and and emma emma the donkey 
because it, it makes it like I, I hesitate to call it like a boring premise because I don't think it's a boring premise. Like I think it can be very interesting, but it kind of it's builds just, it out a little bit more. Um, it's just simple. It is simple. Like it's not, yeah, it's not boring. It's it's word. simple. Yeah, simple. It's a very very simple premise, and it's done very very well. Like I yeah, it's done very well. There's a few like I have a few nitpicks on it, like things that I'm, like the lady that represents death, the old lady that's just like looming throughout the whole thing. I'm like. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> like that one, I was hey, I could take or leave that. It's fine. Um, but yeah, I, th- I just think it was such an it's such an interesting and it's shot really beautifully as well. I think like it's not difficult to make Ireland look beautiful, but um, they did a really really nice job of making it just look absolutely gorgeous and very. Again, because the civil war is going on, so it's got that kind of nice contrast of there's bombs going over, but it's a beautiful beautiful island. Yeah, and. I mean, and the, the, the acting is all great and the script is great. And, like, not only is the... We've talked a little bit about this, but not only is the script between the main characters really great, but also, like, even the characters that are sort of in the background yeah, are fairly fully fleshed out. Like, there's... Yeah. Um, the, uh, like, Barry Keegan's character probably gets the most of that, but then his father, who is the local policeman, doesn't have a ton of lines, but is, like very fleshed out through action and even the two other guys who are always at the pub who have like five <laughs> lines between them you're like those are fully formed characters like you know exactly who yeah. they are and like the woman who runs the post office slash general store who's like yep oh, I, I love come from a, that scene i come from a small town i know that woman <laughs> like, <laughs> um, i love that i love like she's like you know because like basically she's like i tried opening your mail but like what the hell like is that and, like the way she says it it's like it's it's um Siobhan's fault like you yeah. know I was trying to like see through it but I couldn't she's like what are you doing looking at my mail for and she's like oh it's like just the things that I do and I was like I love that I don't come from a small town but I think that that's it's it's yeah. the type of small town that I ex- small town behavior that I've come to expect via films that this is what happens so it's nice to hear that that's actually it's <laughs> actually real that's real yeah every small town has one um how, but we've how talked small was your small town sorry uh in the summer there's about ten thousand people there oh wow okay so and pretty in the winter or... uh i don't know it depends it's it, i haven't lived there in so long i actually don't really know when i left it was like 8500 in the winter wow okay that is a small town yes that is a small town yeah well, we've talked about this meanderingly for a while and effusively so how many stars out of a potential five would you give this movie rachel I should have looked this up ahead of time, but I'm pretty confident in my review. I did give it an eight out of 10 and I think I would stick with that. I reviewed it during TIFF, um, but I think I would stick with the, the eight out of 10 slash four out of five. So I'd do a f- solid four stars. Nice. It's a five out of five for me. Yeah. I loved, I loved every frame of it. Um, and I can't wait to rewatch it. We watched actually, we watched in Bruges right after having watched it. And oh, I was like, nice. yeah, in Bruges is still a little, a little maybe, my favorite Martin McDonough film, but like, this is still a great film. This is still in Bruges. Also easy. had Ray Fiennes though, and Ray Fiennes is like Ray Fiennes is always a win. He's very always special. So yeah, have you done the menu yet on on the podcast? I should know that. I haven't seen the menu yet. Okay, I've been that so busy lately. It's coming out on streaming beginning January. So yeah, my wife went and saw it without me because I was too busy oh. to go. And uh, she gave it a 10 out of 10. So 
Yeah. I, like it. I assume that I will love it, but I know, and it's like, seems like it's probably directly up my alley, but no, I haven't seen it. Okay. Um, there's just, uh, I mean, this is like the worst thing to complain about, but there are too many movies right now and I don't, it is true. I, We're until I have, year, yeah. I have not had a lot of time. And now that I do have time, there's a winter snowstorm preventing me from doing things. So it is. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot, especially I think the last few weeks is like this month, December. Cause like you vote on, on, um, the indie spirit awards. And so it's like, there's just a lot to do. And I think you, you must be voting for the, um, was it the International Critics Group as well, right? Yeah, so the Film Independent uh, screening room, I think, opens in a week or two. Yeah. And the awards, are, I think, are in February. And yeah, the International Film Society Critics, we start, I think we start voting in, in the first week of January, I yeah. think. So you I should really look that up. But yeah, we start we start voting soon anyway, and we're, we're in the middle of trying to organize screeners for stuff. It's a lot. It's a lot, yeah, because you get sent like so many different things, and um, specifically for for me for like the Toronto is because we have a ton of Canadian stuff that we need to catch up on as well, because that's not normally as widely available throughout the year. So it's just been an onslaught of watching a lot of stuff, and I don't want to complain because there are worse things I could be doing with my time, but it is a lot, and you're gonna miss some stuff out, which is unfortunate. Yeah, well, there's a no. I'll sleep when I'm dead. It's fine. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so that's Banshees of Inishirin, um, which is a solid recommend. If you have not seen it, uh, dear listeners, it is, uh, it's on Disney Plus here in Canada. So I assume it's on Disney Plus or Hulu, depending on whatever. Must yeah. be Disney Plus everywhere, I would imagine. Um, but it's, it's out. It's a flight one, so that's under the Disney umbrella. So yeah, so it's, it's out and you can see it. And they're trying to push it for awards, so um, it's very easy to find. Um, but let's move on to this week's other big release that we're going to talk about, which is James Cameron's Avatar, The Way of Water. And um, I guess I'll give us the rundown on this one. Uh, have you seen Avatar 1? Because now you know the story of Avatar 2. It's... <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. It's just, (laughs) it's, uh, I'm sorry. I liked Avatar one. I had a hard time with this movie. I saw it yesterday. Um, you saw this in a theater, right? I saw this in a cinema as well. Did you, um, did you watch an IMAX? I'm going to ask you that. Did you want, were you able to go to that big IMAX theater to watch it? No. Okay. No. So yesterday, yesterday we went to, to watch it and our choices were, for the time frame we could go, that we'd reasonably go, we're really only to watch it in normal frame rate in 3D. So we didn't get the HFR thing, we didn't get the IMAX thing. Okay. And I okay. do wonder about that. Um, but, but, bef- but before we dive in, so it's 15 years later on Pandora, I guess, or however many years later. Like, it's been 13 years since the first film, but but... Jake and Natiri's kids are older than the oldest ones are definitely older than 13. It's been, a, it's been a minute on Pandora. Jake is now that's like, fully that's exactly what was written in the papyrus on the screen was it's been a minute. <laughs> it's been a minute. <laughs> papyrus. Anyway. In the papyrus font on screen. It's been a minute. Yeah. Um, Jake is now fully integrated as the leader of the Omitakaya people in the forests of Pandora. 
And then the humans come back. Sky people. Um, yeah, the sky people. So he has a whole family. He's with Natiri. They have three children. Plus they've adopted uh, this young girl who was born of Sigourney Weaver's avatar post-death, which is... Like, I feel like the implications... Like, there's a lot to talk about there. Um, they've also all but adopted this human boy who has dreadlocks and wants to be a Navi and is clearly in love with one of their kids. Um, and then the Sky People come back and they do... If you thought they were pretty bad colonialists before, let me tell you, they have robots that let them do that to a whole other level in this one. And they also bring uh, Stephen Lang back in the form of his memories in an Avatar body. And then the rest of the movie happens. Like, it's not... <laughs> I'm sorry. I Like, I'm having a hard time with this. I've been thinking about this movie since, since I watched it. So, Jake takes his whole family because he realizes that he's being hunted. So he takes his family. They flee to the coast. They integrate with another tribe there. They learn about the seas of Pandora, which are absolutely stunning and Stephen Lang hunts them for the rest of the movie in an avatar body that's pretty much the whole movie as yep. far as I can tell it's yep. uh James Cameron is really like I think some of the storytelling elements in this movie are really good but it is super basic which I think is sort of what he's known for um I didn't really like it and I kind of dislike that I didn't like it. Because I did like the first one. And to be fair, this is one of the most beautiful things I've seen all year, visually speaking. Um, but it was just kind of like three hours and ten minutes long. And I didn't really care about any of it. And I say this as a person who's watched Avatar 1 roughly a million times. Really? Yeah. And so to be so I, I used to run a store that sold movies... And for a very long time, I saw Avatar 1 in the theaters. I saw it in IMAX. I saw it on a, in theaters at least two other times. But then when it came out on Blu-ray, it was one of the earliest, well, not earliest, but one of the first, like, really good Blu-rays. Like, really, really good Blu-ray transfers. So I have seen that movie, like, a million times just from it, like, being on demo TVs and demo screens. Oh, I see. Okay. Like... I, I w couldn't tell you the number of times I've like sat down and watched it, but I have seen that movie roughly a bazillion times. Interestingly, same same story, but Shrek won. Anyway. <laughs> um, and I think my problem with this movie is just that, like, I don't know if it's just too little too late, but in a lot of ways, it's the same, same movie. It's the same movie. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Am I wrong here? I feel... No. I feel conflicted about it. Because I really wanted to like this. I think it's a bad idea in general to bet against James Cameron. And I don't think it's a poorly made movie. I don't think it's a poorly acted movie. But I still didn't like it. I'll... It's so interesting. Because like, I agree with you on every front. But the thing is, I would say because I didn't like Avatar 1. And... I was not expecting anything from this. Like you say, don't bet against James Cameron. I completely agree with that. But I left watching this movie liking it 
more than I expected myself to. Now, saying that, I think I had a much lower bar than you. But like all the things that you're saying, I completely agree with. Like I think that the story is, it's a rehashing of the first movie. And I don't think that James Cameron, he's not, he's, he's, he's a, sorry, James Cameron, you're not a good writer. Like his dialogue is atrocious. Like it's so appallingly bad. It's laughable at some points. The stories are just super basic and things like that. But I was very much so willing to overlook those because I actually think the story elements from this one are slightly better than the first one um, because of the world building. Like, I like that we go to another part of of the world of of Pandora. Mm -hmm. And I like that we see a different tribe and, like, we get to see... um, you know, the, the, the toucan, toucan, I think that's what they're called. Um, the big whales underneath. Mm-hmm. Like, I like that we're exploring other parts of the world and, uh, what makes that tribe different to the one that Jake and Natiri are from. Like, I, I like all that kind of stuff. So I think that that's more interesting. I think the visuals are stunning. Like it is truly one of the most beautiful things that has been made to film in, in ages. Cause as much as um, I know that the first Avatar was known, like people kind of went because of the technical stuff. That's why it has made so much money. And that's kind of why it stands in uh, like film history or whatever. I s- never really saw the, the what was such a big deal about the first Avatar, like technically speaking, visually speaking. I never really understood why, like why people were so crazy over it. In this one, though, I get it. Like, it is truly, truly beautiful. And it's amazing what James Cameron... And that's just a technology thing. Like, that is not... It's nothing against Avatar because the technology just didn't exist then. And James Cameron has said many times that, like, this... He had to wait years to do Avatar because he needed the technology to catch up with what he wanted to do. And my Mm -hmm. guess is now Avatar 2... Now it's really where he wants it to be because it looks, it does look stunning. So I got to watch it in, I don't know about frame rate stuff. Um, I know that that's been a really big discussion. I, I don't know enough about that to, I, I don't know where I, I watched it in IMAX. I watched it in 3D. Um, I did have to take my glasses off a few times because it was giving me a headache. I do not like 3D. It really annoys me. Like I it don't see, it doesn't add anything to me either. Um, so I kind of landed on it where I I liked it. I liked it more than I thought I would, but I wouldn't say it's one of the best movies of the year. And if you do say it's one of the best movies of the year, it's simply because of a technological point, not because it is, you know, the story is very, very much so lacking in it. But I I would say like, look, Black Panther, Wakanda forever. That is very much so a rehashing of the first Black Panther. It's, it's a very, very similar story between the two, but that one I'm like, yeah, that's it. I didn't mind it. Like I actually liked that movie. It was fine. Um, I haven't I haven't seen Black Panther two yet. Um, oh, okay, sorry. Which is just a whole other interesting discussion about my recent movie going habits. But um, <laughs> but it, it, it's the same kind of thing. It's it's, it's very much yeah. a rehashing of it. And I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing to be honest. But um, because I don't know how many people go into watching Avatar two, going like I'm really really into this story like i really want it so i unlike you i only watched avatar one once when it came out in theaters back in 2009 that was the only time i watched it and then the night before my screening for avatar 2 i was talking to somebody because they asked me what i was doing the next day and i said i gotta go to to downtown in the morning um 
and they said, oh, like, I don't even remember what happened in Avatar 1. I was like, oh, you know what? That's a good point. I should probably rewatch the first Avatar because <laughs> I haven't seen it in 13 years. But it was like 930 at night. So I didn't get through the whole thing because I had to leave pretty early in the morning. Um, but watching Avatar 1 again, I really didn't like it. Like I genuinely like actively dislike that movie. And I don't actively dislike many movies. But that one, I was like, this is not a good movie it's just not good and so that that i think colored a lot of my opinion for avatar 2 because i went in with a very very low bar whereas i think you went in expecting to build off of what you loved about the first one and to be honest aside from the visuals i don't know if there was much to build off of in the first one no i mean that's james cameron's whole thing right like yeah my my opinion of the story of the first Avatar is that it is basically a perfectly distilled version of that kind of story. Like yeah. the, you know, the, the, the dis- disaffected soldier joins the American native, like for indigenous society metaphor to fight against the American military metaphor. Like that is that movie. It's the, yeah. it's a, a perfectly distilled version of that movie set in the sci-fi world. Um, this movie is just the same thing over again with a yeah. couple, like, but with his kids, his kids are but with water and water. with water, water. Yeah. Saying. And like, there's a super long sequence in the back third of this movie where a ship is sinking. So it's like, he's like, you know what? Let's throw some Titanic in there. It's just... There was so much Titanic stuff. I thought it was like, I literally was sitting there. I didn't write a review for this, but I was like, I hope every review points out that James Cameron loves handcuffing people to poles as a ship is sinking. Like I want people to talk about this because there's so much Titanic in this movie that I was not. And there's one character who like, gets handcuffed to a railing and then gets yeah. freed and then is immediately then... re-handcuffed to a railing. It, uh... And Kate Winslet's in it, which honestly, I don't know why I didn't put this together, but like when I was watching the movie, yeah, I was like, there was, so Cliff Curtis shows up, who I, mm-hmm. I, I think is a really great performer. And I didn't know he was in it. And I was like, that's Cliff Curtis. That's amazing. Like, that's a really good casting choice. And also, but going into it, I'm like, I know Kate Winslet's in this. I wonder who she's going to be. And then throughout the whole movie, I'm like, where's Kate Winslet? Which one's Kate Winslet? I don't. I had the same thing. I, I, I couldn't. Thing. And then it's when I looked it up after who she was, I was like, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, that was clearly, I guess it was clearly Kate Winslet. But I still didn't think I, that. I went home and like after the thing and I was just like, wasn't Kate Winslet supposed to be in this movie? Like I, like I kind of forgot that she was in it. And then I was just like, no, she was supposed to be in it. And like, clearly was oh i did not pay attention to the credits because i had to go to the bathroom right after it's a long movie people it's very long um but i so i went home and i looked it up and i was like that was kate winslet like i actually can't put it together that that was her and i don't i don't know if i'll ever watch avatar 2 again but um, i think i think it might be because of all of all of the characters her avatar looks not like her nothing like doesn't that. resemble her at all Where, yeah. whereas like um, everybody else kind of does yeah you're yeah right. like um jay like sam worthington's digital avatar looks like sam worthington just with the cat mm-hmm. nose um and same with zoe saldana i thought looks yeah. like looks like her i also want to bring up zoe saldana i love her i just think her as an actress she's i i, I very much so enjoy anything that she does i 
with the exception of guardians i usually go and seek out whatever she's in um i just don't like guardians i, I just don't know what to say about that but it's so weird we should talk about that later I, just, I don't know why i can't get on board with the guardians but um one of the things i thought in the first avatar that i really loved was her i thought she was amazing and like there's a lot of talk about um performance capture like does that it's not considered animated because uh it's not animated it's it's rotoscope arguably arguably not animated but then um it also doesn't qualify for uh acting categories because you don't see the actor's face so it is kind of like this interesting thing and um i always thought zoe saldana was the best part of the first avatar movie was her because she's just amazing in it i was really disappointed in avatar 2 that she gets sidelined for a lot of the movie like a lot of the movie is this is not a movie about natiri and jake anymore it really is about their children which is fine like to move on from this couple but i just thought we would get a bit more zoe saldana just because i thought she was the best thing and then when she does come in though she does have some pretty cool scenes um i mean she has the single she's the single best action scene in the whole movie yeah she does but i don't know i was i was that was one thing i was disappointed in was i just wanted more of her because i i thought she's she's the i mean to say she's the best actor when because sigourney weaver is not really in this but like she's I, I think Zoe Saldana is the best actor. Well, that they actually, have. Sigourney Weaver is in is in this movie the whole oh, time. Oh, she's the the daughter, right? Yeah, she's the. Teenager. She's just playing a teenager, which is yeah. It's actually a super interesting choice. I thought she was really yeah. good. Like again, the fact that I didn't not... really realize that that was her, I think that she, that clearly goes like that. She did a very good job of making movements like a teenager still does, and and like that character is an interesting character too. I think, but yeah, yeah but I, I was disappointed there wasn't more Zoe Saldana. That's all. And that's totally fair because she she was the best part of the first one. Yeah. Um, and I think, I mean, again, like none of this was poorly performed. I thought it was all. I thought all no. the actors did a really good yeah. job. I thought the kids did a really shockingly, mm-hmm. like good, not shockingly, but a good job. Especially the youngest one. Um, oh, so cute! So really, cute! Really, really, really cute. Uh, kid. And yeah. I think Sigourney Weaver might be actually the like MVP of the movie for me. Um, Probably, yeah. Just because her character. Her character is the only one that, not the only one, but her character has the most interesting arc as this, mm-hmm. like, I mean, he doesn't quite go there, but there's this whole, like, Christ allegory because no one knows where she came from, like, you know. Yeah, who's, who's, Sig- your, who's your daddy kind of thing. Yeah, Sigourney Weaver's yeah, avatar, they, like, they don't became, know who her father is. Yeah. yeah, her avatar became pregnant, and, like, it's obviously implied that, like, Awa did it. At the end of the yeah. first Avatar, right? Um, but, like, and just the way she interacts with the world and, um, like, the, her obvious, like, deeper connection to the world is super interesting. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's not that interesting. <laughs> it's just, like, I find this and, so and, fascinating, and, though. Like, because you like the first Avatar. I didn't like the first Avatar. But it just kind of shows... Like, I think we're talking the exact same points on the on the film. Like, I think we completely agree on every aspect of this movie. But it's just because our expectations were different going into it. We come out, I come out more positive and you come out negative. But we literally agree on every single point of this movie. Like, I don't think that there's anything that you and I are like, no, I don't, I don't think you're, I don't think you're right. No, you. like, I... That's the thing. But I find that fascinating that, like, we're literally talking the same way about the same movie, but we both... <clears throat> are feeling differently about it 
I think yeah, I think I think the the difference the difference to me seems to be that like for you it all seems to have come together in a way that worked. And for yeah. me, I think there's a lot of really interesting and great and visually spectacular pieces that don't coalesce into anything that really like I I don't know why this movie needed to be three hours long. I don't know. Oh, that's yeah. <laughs> like I don't know why. Like, I would I would say that even though I'm going to give this a pretty like a relatively low star rating, like I would say it might actually still be worth seeing on the biggest screen you can find it on because it is again visually spectacular. Yeah, um, and it's interesting. I'm I'm more of a story person when it comes to movies. Like the story is what will drive me. I can kind of get over maybe things not looking the best that they could possibly look or whatever. If the story is really great, then I don't mind. And this is probably one of the first instances that I can think of where I don't care for the story in the slightest. Like I could give two shits about the character, like the kids and all that. Like I, I wasn't very emotionally invested in them. However, this is a movie that I've been telling people. It's like, just go and watch it because it is, it looks amazing. And I don't normally tell people like, just go watch a movie because it's pretty. But this mm-hmm. is something that to me, I think this is what, this is what I was expecting from the first Avatar, visually speaking, like to be that blown away because I wasn't really blown away by the first Avatar. Maybe that was just me being kind of, I wasn't that young, but like young enough that I just was being like a cocky kid where I'm like, please, James Cameron, like give me something better. Um, <laughs> but but now this one, it's like, it's gorgeous. And I, I do think go watch an IMAX because it's stunning. I don't know if you need 3D, especially if you like me. And I don't know about you, but I, you have glasses on right now. But do you so need to we wear your 3D glasses over your glasses? Is that a thing I wear, that I, I need wear, to do as well? I wear contacts. When I know I'm going contacts. to see a movie in 3D, I wear contacts. See, I can't wear contacts, so I have to do the goggle thing. And yeah. it's horrendous. Like, it really gives you a headache doing that. So I will say that if there had been an option, and to be clear, yesterday there was not an option for me to see this movie in 2D, mm-hmm. I, w- I would have taken it. Yeah. And the reason for that isn't that 3D gives me a headache. It's that 3D mutes color. And yes. at a several several points in this movie, I took my glasses off and I was like, oh, this movie is in color. Because, <laughs> like, not that it isn't in color when you're wearing the goggles, but like, it's, color. It's, yeah. it's like, oh, this movie's like vibrant and beautiful and like bright and the goggles yeah. mute all of that. I and I, I like that is like, I think when 3D is deployed, I know you said it doesn't do anything for you, but I think when 3D is deployed well, it can be, it can actually be very immersive. And I think, I think that's one thing actually that the first Avatar got really right is that the 3D of it all was really, really immersive in a theater uh, back in the day. Um, and this one to to some extent has that as well, but. It's just, it's just the the version of 3D we're using now is. I don't know what I don't know. If it's different. My in my memory, it didn't used to dull the colors in the same way that it does now. And I I, I hate it. I hate it so much. I can't stand it. I, there's lots I don't like. But like for me, it's the dizzy thing. It's I really don't think it adds anything. The only movie that I've seen in 3D that I thought this actually added to it was um. Gravity. I thought Gravity did a really nice job putting it in 3D. And the yeah, it's another really the per- 
the person I was with wanted to watch it in 3D, and I was like, yeah, whatever. Um, but also yeah. maybe because that's kind of black and white in a sense because it's out in space and things. So I didn't really, the color is not as big a deal, but I did the same. So I had to take my glasses off a few times. Um, I wonder if it had something to do with this frame rate thing that everyone's talking about. Maybe that's why it just made me feel very not well. Um, so there was a few times, and I debated at one point just watching it without the 3D gl- glasses because I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Um but I was surprised how much brighter the colors were than when you actually see it through the glasses. But I've heard, uh, what is it? Martin Scorsese, his new movie, uh, is it called Hugo? I think it's Hugo. Mm-hmm. They had put that out in 3D and he had special instructions to movie theaters that you need to turn the brightness of the bulbs up to a certain level in order to make sure that it's not um, that the glasses don't impair that. And um, I always thought that that was really interesting because he he even knows like, yeah, it dulls the colors. And I, ju- I just, I don't know. I don't think 3D, like I can be very well immersed into a movie um, that's not in 3D. And so I don't see how, th- I don't think 3D adds anything for me personally. Like, yeah. I just, I think if watching it in IMAX to me, that is more beneficial and more immersive than watching anything in 3D. Like watching Dune in the big IMAX where it just kind of like wraps around you. Same with Top Gun Maverick, like those kind of movies, like it just wraps around you. Like that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, more so than anything 3D could ever offer me uh, in terms of immersive immersion. Say, yeah, that's totally fair. And I don't, I don't disagree with any particular point that you're making at the moment. Um, and I think for me, the difference is that uh, with gravity and I think with Avatar, one and to some extent this one i think the difference is the uh the intent of it like i Mm -hmm. think when i think when i think the one thing james cameron did in 2009 not a lot that and he sort of kicked off the whole 3d thing there for about five years was that like he filmed it with 3d in mind whereas most movies that came out for the next five years were like oh shit we got to do this in 3d and they just sort of like rushed it after the fact um and i would say james cameron never did like a cheap 3d stunt like there's no arrow coming towards like you're like yeah oh, he's not like that like that's yeah. not really what he ever does and so i said gravity is the only one of 3d but i did think the first avatar if i can remember correctly i do remember thinking oh the 3d is not bad in this one like it, it didn't yeah it just adds depth like depth to cheap. the frame yeah yeah um yeah but a friend of mine was talking about avatar 2 and because i think they were looking at postings and or listings where they live and and there was like the three option they were like i thought we were done with 3d like i thought i thought as an industry they decided no more 3d and i didn't think about it but very few movies do 3d anymore because i guess the extra expense just hasn't been worth it i don't know but now that avatar 2 is back i wonder if we're gonna see like another spurt of movies adding on 3d after the fact uh, i think i think the only thing i can say about that the thing i'll say about that is that and maybe this is just because where I live, my only option is Cineplex. Like there's, mm. there's no other, like there is technically a non-Cineplex theater, a, a, a city and a half away. Like, like it's all, it's, uh, yeah, it's like next city over and then a little bit south. Um, but where, uh, what am I trying to say? Blockbusters still always have a 3d option here like when we saw dune uh which oh I the, so when I, the first time i saw dune like Denny villeneuve's dune 
it was in 3D. And I hated it. And I didn't even know that he did a 3D version of that, to be honest. I well, I don't know if he did or if the studio did, but like I watched it in 3D, and I remember coming out of it and being like, I could not connect with this film. Yeah. And now that I've seen it, I've seen it a couple of times, and now I think it's I think it's great. But I distinctly remember coming out and being like, what was that? Like, what? Yeah. And 3D is one of those things I strongly believe should be left at amusement parks. I feel like that's where 3D movies, where like the chairs move around, yeah. that's where 3D should sit. I don't think, like I'm going to say if James Cameron can't do it to, to convince me that uh, 3D is necessary for, for Avatar 2, like I don't, anybody who asks me how to watch, what's the best way to watch Avatar 2, I would still say IMAX, Dolby, Sound. Those are your two big things that you probably want to look out for. Mm-hmm. 3d is not something i would say you need to watch it in 3d and so again if he can't convince me that it's necessary to for viewing for the optimal viewing experience then i don't know who could like i don't know who what other director is capable of doing stuff with 3d that james cameron cannot do and i i do think he does a good job with 3d like you said the 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 depth that you you get with 3d is very interesting and it's really um especially in a world like pandora where they do build it out the, like the underwater scenes I think are really gorgeous and I do think the 3D kind of helps with the underwater scenes actually I think it looks pretty tremendous but yeah I just I don't think it's necessary to to enjoy the movie you don't need to watch it in 3D yeah well how many stars are you going to give Avatar Zivea Boto <laughs> um I see again. This is you with no half stars. Uh, I'm gonna go with a three. Hmm. Is that because you're rounding up or rounding down? It depends on my mood. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it depends on my mood. I won't lie. Sometimes I think about Avatar and I go, I go, yeah, like a seven out of ten. So the reason I work out of tens is is because Exclaim works out of ten. So I always think of it in that way. But, um. I think seven, but then I, I go seven's quite generous for a movie that I think has a terrible script. Like it's very generous for a movie that I think is just the story is atrocious and the dialogue is atrocious. But then a five feels very low. Like a five doesn't feel like that's appropriate for a movie that is this beautiful and this great. But like a six feels fair. Yeah. Fair, right? Three. For me, three. for me, so it's a- it depends on how I'm feeling. For me, it's a two out of five. And, oh, wow. Uh, okay. To be fair, I think if I was giving half stars, it would probably be two and a half. But I don't, so it's not. <laughs> and and every time... It's funny. Did you, have, did you watch The Office? The American Office? Yeah. So every time I end up in a situation like this, I feel like there's an episode of that show where I can't give you the whole backstory of The Office at this point, but... Um, Angela is married to the senator and they go to a, and Oscar's having an affair with the senator and they go to a party at their house at their house. And it turns out that the senator just wants Oscar there to be like his token Mexican friend. And at the end of that episode, Kevin's like, you're a terrible person. You're just using your friends and family for political points. The food was excellent. The food at this party was excellent, but you're a terrible person. But again, the food was excellent. And that's what I feel like when I'm talking about a movie like this, because I'm like, it's not a good movie. Yeah. It's it's very basic, but it was beautiful. Again, it was beautiful. <laughs> but don't, isn't it incredible that it's like a movie that 
we just were like, yeah, it's whatever. But it is beautiful enough that like it would be a recommendation to people to just be like, just go watch it because it's beautiful. Like I, I know I already said this, but it's like I've never said that about a movie before where I think like people should spend three plus hours and spend the money, um, extra money on IMAX. Like I've never thought it's, you know, that's a recommendation to make just simply because it's a pretty film. I just, I don't think that way usually, but it does say something about this film that it is so nice to look at that. I do think it's worth it. I do think it's worth your time. I do think it's worth, um, whatever extra shillings it costs to, uh, to, 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 to watch an IMAX, not 3d though. Don't, don't shell out for 3d. (laughs) Well, how do you feel like some, there is a third movie coming, um, Mm -hmm. with a fourth and fifth plan, but the third one shot simultaneously with this one. I thought they're going Um, up to seven. I thought he was like, we're doing avatar seven. Uh, no, it's five as far as I know, but it's also only three depending on how much money these two make. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I don't, don't want to relitigate the plot at all, but like, I just, I just <laughs> given where this one ends, which is interesting because like this whole story could be boiled down to like, I'm going to run away. Oh, maybe I shouldn't run away is the whole story. Do you know um, what? Okay, sorry. I know we've we've moved past the, 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 this bit. The thing that bothers me about the story is that, like you said, like you know, a character gets handcuffed to a rail, gets unhandcuffed, and then a few minutes later is then handcuffed again. Like the entire movie is like that. Like something happens, they resolve it, but then something happens again. Like the same thing happens again, and they need to resolve it once again. And you're just like, just stop doing the same thing over and over again. Like you're just putting yourself. You're making it's that Einstein, or, you know, that quote of of you keep doing the same thing, expecting a different result, and that's yeah, insanity. The defi- and like that's definition the of insanity. Movie. Like the whole movie is they do the exact same thing, expecting a different outcome, and we're just supposed to sit there being like, "Yeah, that's interesting." That's I mean, why I... it took three plus hours for this movie to wrap up. Like, if you took out the second attempts at everything, you got a tight <laughs> ninety. Like, my God. I mean, I don't. I want to talk about the ending, but I don't want to spoil the ending because it's too early in the run. But like, at some point, we should talk about the ending because I hated the ending. But anyway, that's terrible. I have to take a second to like, what was the ending? Of the yeah. <laughs> like, so I anyway, I hope I really remember it. Anyway, um, I I will still say that like, there's a third movie coming. Yeah. Um, the third movie is going to have basically all the same, all the people I like back, and it's adding Una Chaplin. And it's adding David Thewlis. So, and David Thewlis is always a win. So, even if he shows up like Jermaine Clement in this one for like 10 minutes and three lines. Um, but, uh, I mean, I will never bet against James Cameron. So, I'm yeah. still like curious, at least curious to see what the third one's going to look like. But so, I can I ask, when you went... When you knew you were going to... Like, an Avatar 2 got announced and they were like, it's going to get released and thing... Were you, would you say like you were genuinely excited to watch it because you liked the first one so much that so you're like, I want to see what else that they do? Like, was that what your... Oh, I mean, 10 years ago I was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but even even leading up to watching it now, like, I know that it's been a long time, but like, was your mood on it like, I'm excited? Or is it was it curious? I was curious. Uh, for me, I was excited to see what it would be like visually. Okay. Um, 
because I didn't see it ahead of time, um, I had, and I, I typically, when I know I'm going to watch something, I avoid other people's reviews and, yeah. and, but there's only so much of that you can avoid these days. Like even if you're judicious with muting words on the social medias, <laughs> like sentiment seeps through. Um, yeah. so I would say that I was, I was genuinely excited to look at it and that yeah. bore out pretty well. Um, and I was okay. curious about the story. Um, so cause I had heard, in... I had heard mixed Sorry, things yeah. and I will say that I have no expectations about the story for the third one. And oh, again, okay. high expectations about the visuals cause it'll be gorgeous. Cause that is what he does best. Yeah, it's interesting because I was uh, the reason I asked because I was thinking from Avatar one to two, I feel like you were excited to see what where two was going, and then from two to three, now you're down to curious. Whereas I was Avatar one to two, I was just curious. I had just like he could have never come out with another Avatar, and I never would have thought about it. I would I wouldn't have been like I wonder what would have happened on Pandora. Like I never it wouldn't have been like a what if kind of thing for me if he had never returned to this franchise. But now from two to three, and I was a bit more positive on two, I still am only just curious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm still like, hmm, I wonder what he's going to do. I'm not, I still haven't gone to the side of, I'm actually excited to see what Avatar 3 is. Like, I don't really have that. I still am just, yeah, we'll see what he does with it. Um, which, I don't know, maybe that's that's the trademark of kind of superficial stuff. Because just curiosity, it's not like a genuine substantive excitement to it which is a shame considering how much money he's plugged into this and how much time and and many years of his life that he's dedicated to this thing yeah i don't know i feel like we could keep talking well i could definitely i will say this i could keep talking about it all day but we've already at we're at 20 minutes longer than we usually go so we should probably (laughs) try to wrap it up uh and we've already said that we were going to finish so yeah avatar 2 everyone uh, do with our information what you will. I, I don't know what to say. I, I genuinely, when I got home, I went to like log this on Letterboxd and I was like, I don't know what to give this. I don't know how to, I don't know how to review this. So thank you for talking about it with me because it gave me a better idea. No problem. Um, so now we're going to wrap up there. Rachel, where can the people find you? Um, you can find me at rachelkh.com um, and that's where all my stuff is. You can go to Twitter or Instagram at underscore Rachel KH. Excellent. And they can also search for you in all kinds of publications, including uh, Exclaim and POV Magazine and The Globe and Mail and Slash Film. And you're just all over the place, which is pretty great. Thank you very much. You're a good publicist. Yeah, yeah I do what I can. <laughs> um, so, and as for us, you can obviously find us at awesomefriday.ca. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at awesomefridayca. You can find me at smatthewaf on most of the socials. Um, uh, and that's going to be our show. Thank you so much for listening and Merry Christmas. Uh, I'm not 100% sure when this episode is going to drop. It'll either be the day before or the day after Christmas. So Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. We will see you in 2023. And at some point, Simon will be back. Uh, And (laughs) hopefully Rachel will be back as well. Because we've really enjoyed our time here. Whereby we, I mean me, with Rachel this month. Um, 
if you have liked what you've heard, uh, please feel free to give us a five-star review on your podcasting platform of choice for this episode or the whole series. Uh, smash that like button. Smash that subscribe button. That's what the kids say, right? Smash the button. Um, smash it, and then and then on YouTube, they'd be like, ring that bell. Yeah, ring okay. that bell. Yeah, do the thing. <laughs> do the thing, and they'd point at the corner. Do yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, like the, the, the go under here and things like that. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. It's in it's in the it's in the doobly doo, but we're on yeah. radio. So, uh, um, if you'd like to support us a little more directly, uh, we do have a Patreon and a Kofi, and you can find those linked in the show notes. Um, we record this here. I record this here in Vancouver on the unceded lands of the Musqueam and Tsleil-Waututh and Squamish nations. And Rachel. Oh, yes. First time doing a land acknowledgement. I've been very excited. Okay, so I record uh, within the jurisdiction of the Williams Treaties and on the traditional territory of the Mississaugas of the Scugog Island First Nations, the Anishinaabe, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples. Nice. Um, we could talk all day about land acknowledgements, but let's talk later. Um, that is that is it for the show. Thank you so much for listening. Once again, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays, uh, and we'll see you in 2023. And thank you so much for listening on this awesome Friday.